Bitter Pill are committed to producing new writing until theatres in the UK reopen. Through the Painkiller Project, we're open for submissions once a month and are producing two plays from each submission window. If you enjoy the play you're about to hear and would like to support the continuation of the project, please consider pledging to our Patreon, allowing you to make a donation that would be repeated each time a new play is released. Alternatively, you can make a one-off donation through paypal.me. Any donation made would mean the absolute world to us. For more information, just follow the links in the description of this podcast. And now the Painkiller Project presents Smoking Reduces Fertility. Laura has a secret. It has caused her to question her perfectly put together life and to leave her daughter with the nanny. Smoking Reduces Fertility is a sharp portrayal of motherhood and a foreboding glimpse into the minds of two women on the edge. Enjoy. been sitting with the girl for two hours. She's been crying. A six-year-old crying is actually very different from normal person crying. And that's actually a fact. When a six-year-old cries, it's not about them and it's all about you. When the girl cries, tears don't come out her eyes. It's well weird. She just sort of makes noise and I never really know what to do. So sometimes I just scream back at her. I just... I know she's asleep because she stopped making noise now. I've caught her before. Put her to bed and heard noises coming from the guest room. I've looked round the door to see the girl staring at herself in the mirror. Just crying. Just like staring at herself, wailing and wailing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Bobs, what are you doing? She stops crying and turns to me, looks me in the eye and says... I'm just watching myself cry. I wonder if a six-year-old can have bipolar. wonder if I should report it to her mom. But maybe not. The personality disorder doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm sitting at a tube station at 1.45 in the morning. I'm picking a scab on my hand that my little girl caused. She scratched me because she didn't want to get out of the bath. To tell the truth, I very nearly scratched her back. I do want to get something out of the way. I'm not here to kill myself. 
I am here because this is where people go when they feel desperate and pathetic and confused. And to be honest, I was on my way home and then I just stopped. I just sat down for a moment after running around all day, actually after spending 15 years of running around and then I couldn't get up. I've been here for three hours and 42 minutes and I have no plans of moving until someone talks to me. Until someone breaks this bubble, I won't move. And the great thing about London is I don't think anyone will. <laughs> Especially when you look like I do. Look like you have it all together. And I love that. I'm very happy about that. It takes a lot of practice to look like you have it all together. Yes, and... I think I've just seen a rat. I'm watching Peppa Pig and realising that there is actually a lot of fat shaming in it. I'm scared if I turn it off, she'll wake up. And I'm scared that if I try and have a fag... Fuck it. I can have a fag. I open the window as quietly as I can and light up. I check the time. Nearly two. I look across the wide street and see the towering white houses. Something doesn't seem right. Something's definitely off. I have some sort of dread. I don't know, but it's resting in the pit of my stomach. There is literally one thing that I have learnt, though, and that is to never show your emotions. When she's shouting at you, when she's wailing, even when they're happy, they'll use it against you eventually. Kids know all the buttons and they're not afraid to. Keep your ground until you hand her back. And no matter how much of a shit she's been, you say she's been stellar. I look at her body rise and fall under the blanket as I ash out the window. Flicking through my messages, I shut my eyes. Try my best to remember something, anything that could offer some sort of explanation. What is going on? It must be me. I've forgotten a conversation, deleted a message, displaced a note. They'll be an excuse. But I just can't think of what I'm going to say if she wakes up and asks. Where's mummy? I don't fucking know. They say you can't go anywhere in the city without being six feet away from a rat. I don't think you can go anywhere without being near someone who's on the edge, but incredibly good at hiding it. For some reason, the little rat makes me think about my nanny. Makes me think about how she creeps around the house, seeing things she shouldn't. Smelling rank, smelling of cheap fags. Oh, probably having one now. 
It reminds me that I need a plan, an excuse, something to tell her. I consider just firing her without an explanation. I could tell from day dot she had no experience of working with children and that she just wanted some extra cash while at uni. I could cry. I could pretend to be drunk. I could tell the truth. I could say, I have a secret. A secret in the pit of my stomach. A secret expanding like the universe. And when I'm on the escalator at Westminster, I wonder how many people can look at me and tell. I wonder how many people have their own secrets multiplying by the second. I could say I went to the doctors. I knew my booper had expired. I was expecting that. I was also expecting the menopause chat, the HRT, the smug privilege on Dr. Armani's face, the notification you're two-thirds of the way through. But... Then I could shock her. I could say, Amy, there is blood inside my body which isn't mine. There are limbs. There is a constant expanding mass. Teeth and gums inside me too. Cells multiplying like rats breeding and I don't know what to do. I enjoy imagining her reaction. How she'd squirm from the awkwardness. But you really can't say that to your nanny. There are eyes with dark rims inside me and I feel them peering out of my belly button. Oh God, that rat better move out the way. I can hear a train coming. The girls awake. The crying's begun again. And I've snuck three glasses of wine. She's crying for her mum and I don't know what to tell her. Should I tell her? I've called her mum 38 times and none of them have even gone through to voicemail. Probs not. Every second I think I should have called the police by now, which only puts me off doing it even further. After quite a fair few attempts to give the girl a hug, I've given up. Every time I touch her, she screams that I'm hurting her. I'm evil. She hates me. She tells me that this is her house and her mum hates me too. She tells me I have no control. And I hate her because I know she's right. I have no control, even less than her. Peppa Pig snort cements it in my mind. I'm getting my tubes tied. Outside the house, the sun's rising. The scab is bleeding. 
Every step is heavy. Door is heavy. But I'm in now. There is a 22-year-old asleep on my sofa. She's my nanny. The room smells of fags and there is an empty glass of wine on the island. I want her gone. The girl is on the floor, underneath a throw. Her right leg sticks out, her little foot. I created that. I turn off the TV and I open the curtains. Light. The wine glass sparkles. My nanny stirs. I'm going to fire when she wakes up. My leg's given and I'm on the floor next to the girl. I stroke her hair. I wonder about how many women have stroked their girl's hair whilst wishing that they'd never brought her into the world. If my mother did, her mother, and if hers, how many women did this strand of hair come from? I have no fucking clue. But I do know I am not moving from this spot. The girl opens her eyes. Warm hazel upon me. I smile at her, but she doesn't smile back. She looks straight at me before asking, Mummy, what happened to your hand? Smoking Reduces Fertility was written by Ella Thompson. It was performed by Noma Demeswini and Jessica Barden. It was directed by Grace Vaughan with sound design by Piers Sherwood Roberts. Thank you for listening.